You're listening to the Bottom Line Podcast where those living with or beyond bowel cancer as well as health professionals involved in bowel cancer treatment and care share their inspirational stories and lived experiences with host and bowel cancer survivor Stephanie. Cal Wilson has been making us laugh on the comedy circuit, radio airwaves and Australian TV screens for over two decades. Most recently, she won the hearts of Australians when she went into the jungle for I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. Touched by bowel cancer, Cal chose Bowel Cancer Australia as her charity and today she joins me on the Bottom Line podcast. Cal, thanks so much for joining us today. Before we go and talk about bowel cancer and talk all things crap, can you just give us a little insight as to why you decided to go on the show? I've always said I would never do the show and then uh, it's my son's favourite program. Like we, we watch it every year when it happens and then the pandemic happened and everything was upside down. And so when they asked me again, I was like, well, everything is already so surreal. Why not do one more thing that's bonkers? And was it bonkers? It was completely bonkers. I was expecting to like endure the whole thing and go, I'll just get out as soon as I can get out and I'll just grip my teeth and get through it. And then by the second day, I wanted to stay till the end. I just loved it. It really is very bonding, isn't it? Yeah. So you've made some great friends. I, I really have. Poe described it like going to the supermarket and getting a dozen eggs she's come back with 12 friends like <laughs> and it was such a weird mix of all we had time for was to get to know everyone or go and get covered in vomit or eat something horrible so in between the weird challenges you just had this kind of concentrated introduction to people I keep describing it as a mix of profound conversations and huntsman sandwiches <laughs> I love that I have to say I hate snakes so I struggle watching it with those snake honestly yep. it freaks me right out when you came out what did your son think it was kind of weird because we filmed it a little bit in advance because of COVID uh, and he, we hadn't told him what I was doing while I was away. We'd, we'd um, I'd let him work it out for himself, and he came up with uh, I was doing a movie in Sydney. That was his theory because I didn't sort of want to burden him with the secret because it's yes, so easy. It's to really slip up. hard, isn't it? Not to yeah. Uh, and journo's want to know who's going in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we we had to keep it really quiet, and then um, when it finally went to air, he was really thrilled, uh, especially when. Dr. Chris and Julia would come to the camp to tell everyone who was going on the challenges and he'd be on the sofa just chanting, Cal, Cal, Cal. Was absolutely delighted that I had to eat a range of animal genitalia. (laughs) (laughs) Any behind-the-scenes secrets that you can share? Well, it's interesting that I've had a lot of questions about, um, oh, and so where are the huts that you sleep in at night? Or do you go to a hotel at night? Or um, do they CGI the snakes in? And one woman who was very upset, she emailed me and she was very upset to find out that the um, the critters were, in fact, just meat made to look like spiders and snakes and stuff. And it wasn't actually true. And I was like, oh, Debbie, it's true. Trust me. <laughs> Everything was real. The scorpions that I ate was real. Like, yeah, it was, ugh, there was no magic tricks. It was all real. <laughs> <laughs> was there anything that you came out with that you found out about yourself? I discovered I was much more resilient than I thought. I've always thought I'd been a little bit of a precious princess, but I was quite happy to sleep in a bush and eat stuff that came from a bag from the sky. Like it was just so bizarre, but what an opportunity. Like I'd always sort of 
turned it down going, oh, why would I do that to myself? But really it was a, a gift. I've got all of these new friends. I've discovered I'm more resilient. It's made me much more grateful for uh, the dishwasher and a nice bed. <laughs> but just, I, you know, I never thought that I would be able to force myself to eat some really disgusting things, but I did it. And now I never have to do it again. No, you've ticked that box. Yep. <laughs> Completely. <laughs> well, you chose Bowel Cancer Australia as your charity, which we are eternally grateful for. And as a bowel cancer survivor, thank you. But why did you choose Bowel Cancer Australia? Because it has been quite present in my life over the past couple of years. So my mum was a was diagnosed with advanced bowel cancer at the beginning of 2021 and back home in New Zealand. And it was she had a tumor that was the size of a grapefruit in her bowel. She'd been she'd been soldiering on going, oh well I feel a bit off, but I'm sure I'm probably just stressed about something. And so it it, it went quite a long way before it was caught. And then trying to get home to New Zealand was really hard because we had the quarantine system to sort of get around. But I was able to be with her and she's made an amazing recovery and she's just her old self again. So I was so grateful for her care. And then uh, the the other person that I chose bowel cancer Australia for was our neighbour, Tolly, who was the heart of our street. He and his family, like I feel so lucky that we moved into our neighbourhood over the the 13 years that we've lived here, he and Pat have been the real, just the the heart of the street, always, always welcoming, always doing anything for anyone, always full of laughter. And Tolly was diagnosed, I think maybe the year before last with bowel cancer and he died in October. And it was, I just wanted to do a tiny thing for him as well, because, because all I could do for him when he was sick was I would make him cupcakes because it was something that he enjoyed eating. And I felt so helpless to make anything better. So I would just make him cupcakes. And when I was in the jungle, I was really worried as to whether he would be still here when I came back. And it was really, um, I really thought about going like was it okay to go and know that he might not be here when I came back and I'm so grateful that I had two weeks after I got home and and I didn't see him but we texted each other and he had one more lot of cupcakes (laughs) and so this feels like another tiny thing for him as well to be able to um you know for a start it's lovely to talk about him because he really was just the most remarkable man but I I don't have surgical skills or I'm not in medicine I'm not a researcher or any of those things but if I if I can talk about it I'm good at talking so if I can shine a little bit more light on bowel cancer then hopefully someone else will catch it early enough that they can survive it. Well firstly Cal I'm so sorry for your loss and um, that is one of the things is that I think people think that bowel cancer is perhaps not as deadly as what it is particularly between 25 and 44 it's the number one cancer killer. Can I ask how old Tolly was? He was in his mid-40s so right right on time I guess. Exactly and I think that's one of the perceptions is that bowel cancer is an old man's disease Mm -hmm. and we hear a number of much younger cases but the fact that you are talking about it for us is so wonderful because it is about awareness we need people to start talking about it how do you think humor can cut through there as a comedian well I think bowel cancer like you say it's not a sexy disease like it's not a glamorous broken leg or a I don't know it's not it's not something that 
like when you say bowel cancer, I think everyone is like, oh, that's, oh, oh, kind of, it's hard to talk about. I had rectal cancer, Cal. So, you know, when you talk about rectal cancer. Yes. Yes. And you you don't really want people to be thinking about your bottom. Like, do you? You're kind of like, of of all the parts of you, let's not be discussing that part I've had that many things up my clacker it's not funny I tell you it's <laughs> oh it's it's like once you get past the weirdness of it it just becomes like a you know it's not it's not their first day like yours isn't the first rectum that they've looked at no <laughs> um but yeah so for, so for me trying to use humor to talk about bowel cancer and even just around the kits like so I'm 51 so I received my kit uh from the government and it's such an odd process to go through so you get like a little picnic rug for the poo and you put that in the toilet and then you (laughs) take the poo to the picnic and then you've got your little container with a mascara wand in it that you definitely don't want to put near your eyes then you go and (laughs) I've never thought of that the mascara wand and I'm going to look at that kit in a whole different light it's just so, and then you've got to put it in its little thing, and then it says keep it in the fridge before you do your second sample. I'm like, oh, what am I? I don't want to put poo in the fridge, and then you send it off. And I think it's, I think it's the one leg away you can literally send poo through the post. I don't think in any other circumstance <laughs> would Australia Post be happy for there to be poo in an envelope. And, and I just keep laughing about it being shit posting. Like it's, it's such a. <laughs> Such a, it's such a weird thing. And like, I know that my mother found that. Like um, the Wilsons are renowned for their um, family poo shyness. Like the Wilsons just, you know, there has to be quiet. You have to be by yourself to go to the toilet. And, you know, uh, everyone's very, um, oh, private about going to the loo. And then after mum had had her operation, we were all poised to find out whether she'd pooed or not. <laughs> and like all that, and the family in the family group chat, there's a no movement today, but the, you know, they've given her another laxative or whatever. And mum was like, oh, I just never thought we'd all be so invested in whether I went to the toilet. And it was quite, <laughs> quite weird, but also like, well, you just have to talk about it. Like it has become a necessary thing. Absolutely, Cal. I, my family was brought up the same, you know, where you didn't talk about your poo and if you did a fart, you walked away and, you know, and I've got a boy, as do you, 12-year-old boy, and they talk about fart and poo all the time. It's one of those things where I found it really challenging. I had an ileostomy bag. Did your ma- mother have a bag or no? No, she, she didn't need it. Is that something you still have, Steph, or is that... No, I was very lucky. I had mine reversed. But it is breaking down those barriers, isn't it? Mm. As you've said, that, you know, we should be looking at our poo and seeing if there's blood in our poo. But for some reason, we stop talking about it. There's a stigma around it. Yeah, definitely. And I think, um, not wanting to overgeneralize here, but I think guys are often really bad at going to the doctor. So they'll soldier on with a bit of, oh, it's just a mild discomfort or I don't feel quite right, but I'm sure it's okay. Just go to the doctor. Like if you if you are able to go to the doctor, go to the doctor. Like it just, yeah, it's so it's such a simple thing, but it, I think often men don't act on it. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, and by the time people then do act on the symptoms, it's too late by then and it's stage three or four. So if you act on it earlier, and the one thing with bowel cancer is that if you get it, the earlier you get it, the more likely it is that you can live a really healthy life and it can be treated. Can I ask um, regarding your mum, how did she discover she had bowel cancer and then what process did she go through? She had just been feeling a bit off, like sort of 
um, she said not a sore tummy, but just discomfort. And she'd um, put it down to a bit of stress because she and my dad were selling some of his um, model collection. And so it was kind of, there was lots of sort of admin to do. And then she just didn't feel right for ages. So she went to the doctor and the doctor said that doesn't sound right and ordered some tests. And then she got the news that she had a tumor, but being my mum and not wanting to worry people, she never actually used the word cancer to tell us what was happening. And yeah, then she, she, she was able to have keyhole surgery to take it out, which was really great. Her, her attitude was always very positive. She's 84, but she was also like, well, if it's my time to go, we've said everything we need to say to each other which she just lay these things on us. Like she'd be like, you know, if, if I go now, I've had the most wonderful life and I've got the most wonderful children. I'd be like, oh, Barbara, settle down. Like just getting me right in the heart. But yeah, she's very positive. She didn't want to go through chemo and the oncologist told her that chemo would be too hard on her and, and it might not work. And very directly basically said, you might go of something else by the time your cancer comes back if it comes back. And mum was very happy with that level of kind brutality because it just, it, she, she knew exactly what was ahead. It wasn't chemo. She'd lost a friend who'd had chemo and then still died. So she was very conscious of that. She was quite reluctant to have uh, nurses come and see her at my parents' house. There's a nurse maud service in New Zealand where they, they come every day to check her dressings and to give her a little bit of exercise and walk her up and down the drive. And so mum started off going, oh, I don't want all these people in my home. And then every time she'd come in from her little exercise, she'd be like, well, her name's Deborah and she's from Vietnam and <laughs> she's got a seven-year-old stepson. Like she just, she actually really thrived on all of the new people, especially after lockdown and things in Christchurch. Yes. So she had a really positive experience uh, she had an anaesthetist that was quite dishy. So she was, that was her description of him. So she's quite happy about that. Lovely surgeon. Love the word dishy. Yes. So it's a very 84 year old called Barbara. <laughs> it's very <laughs> on brand. Um, so she had really great care. How did you cope? Because you were in Australia and we were going through COVID. We're still going through COVID. So how did you cope, Cal? Uh, I got straight on the computer and tried to find a spot in quarantine in New Zealand. It took about a week and a half to find one. And then it's, it's such a palaver of you have to book your spot in quarantine, then you have to get a flight, and if there's no flights that day, you have to give up that spot and then find another spot. So it was a big, big palaver. Uh, I was really worried about her, but I was also really grateful that I did get a spot to go. So I was in quarantine. I think my quarantine started the day before she had her surgery, and my brothers and sisters-in-law were amazing over that time and would FaceTime with me while they were in the hospital with mum. And so I was able to be with her two weeks after she'd had her surgery and I stayed over there for, I think I was in Christchurch for six weeks just to be there because also we didn't know when I would be able to get back. Yes. And so it was really, it was a really special time to be there and just focus on her and her health. I feel like I maybe dealt with it in stages of going, well, we'll just wait till the operation's sorted out. And then once that's done, we can think about the next step I think but yeah I feel so grateful that she's had such a positive outcome. Back to Tolly uh, obviously uh, was discovered much much later do you know or do you feel comfortable talking about their journey? So the, the thing about Tolly's journey I guess is that he was in no doubt 
how much he was loved and he left us in no doubt how much he loved us. And that was something that I find real comfort in. He died without a shadow of a doubt knowing that everybody adored him and that his kids and his wife, like they'd, they've, they're such good communicators all of the time and there's just so much love around them that I, I just think that's so amazing that that's it's not a silver lining exactly but how wonderful to know just how everyone feels about you you know it's not left to the funeral for everyone to wish that he'd known mm. yeah he was just embraced by everyone he obviously was an incredibly kind caring and amazing human and you can ask for no more than that can you no and he you know he was he's as I say he was the heart of our street along with his family and you know, the times he's helped up with helped us with plumbing or, you know, needing some kind of technical, practical help. And yeah, it's just it's a real um every time I see a bald guy, I'm like, oh, that's not Tully, but it could have been. Mm. I'm a marketer and you know, you work in entertainment. For me, this is what's the important thing is that raising awareness and talking about it. We're chipping away at raising awareness, but as an entertainer, how do you think we can break through those barriers? I think I think it is really as simple as talking about it and normalising it. And I know that this in this year's show, I'll be talking about bowel cancer because of I'm a celeb and because of you. I see you guys. That's very casual way to, to refer to bowel cancer Australia. <laughs> no, um, but, no, we're happy will... to be you guys. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, there's there is humour to find in the whole procedure of doing the kit and everything. But also, it is really important. I'd never really even thought about bowel cancer before mum was diagnosed and before Tolly was diagnosed and sort of seeing firsthand what it can do to people. It's really made me feel like I do want to go, Hey, do you know about this? It's really important. And, you know, ironically bowel cancer is on my father's side of the family, but it was mum that got sick and he was heard to utter the sentence by rights. It should have been me when I think oh. he was a little bit jealous of the attention. <laughs> but yeah, it's just something that. Well, now it's personal for me. Like now, as I imagine, it's exactly personal for you, which is why you're part of the organisation because you absolutely understand what a huge thing it is. Absolutely. And like you, I didn't know about bowel cancer. I knew you had to check your boobs and go and have a pap smear. But bowel cancer. Yeah. And so if, if, if I can ask, how did you discover yours? I was feeling really uncomfortable. I had blood in my poo. I went and saw a doctor. They said it wasn't anything because I'd just had my son Angus at the time. And then my sister's a genetic counsellor and she asked me to go and have a colonoscopy. And I insisted on a they I insisted on a colonoscopy and came out stage three. And if I wow. hadn't, I wouldn't be sitting here as the reality. Wow. Which is what worries me also with the overlay of COVID, people putting off screening and seeking colonoscopies from their GPs because the impact of that is going to come out in years to come, yep. which does worry me. How did you cope on a personal front with the situations with people with bowel cancer around you? Well, I guess humour. It's humour, isn't it, that that is the escape and the, yeah, it's the way to kind of have a moment that's not focused on grief or focused on uncertainty and certainly when I go on stage nothing else matters for that time that I'm on stage except for being on stage with with my mum I think but we just 
we just talked about everything and because it's it's been so long since I've lived in Christchurch and so long since I've lived with my parents it was really precious time just to talk and just be and put everything else aside which was like a luxury and how fortunate I am that you know I could afford to go over and that I my brother could house me for that length of time but it was really being present with her I think was the big thing just to be just kind of surrender to it's all about mum getting better and uh, yeah I guess humor is the humor is always the thing of you know in the darkest times being able to make some very dark jokes about things yeah just it just comes down to I guess finding something to laugh at when there's lots of sorrow humor just gives you a bit of light yeah and you know diffuses tension and all of those things and but the nicest thing the nicest comment I've had uh, since talking about bowel cancer on I'm a Celebrity was a woman messaged me saying, I've had the kit for two years and I've never done it, but I'm now I'm doing it because you've really made me think about it. And that's great. Like hopefully there's more people like that that have gone, oh, I suppose I better, I suppose I better had. Absolutely, absolutely. And if, if that one person has done that kit, and it saved their lives, it, it's all, it's worth it. Yeah. Absolutely. So that brings me to a really lovely segue. Cal, we usually ask people three top tips that they want people to take away from today's podcast. What would be your three top tips? Oh, my three top tips. Well, definitely if, you, if you're 50 and you get that weird present from the government, do your, do your test thing. Go to the doctor. Don't uh, put it off. If you think something's wrong, go to the doctor. And what would my third one be? I guess just tell everybody what you want them to know. Like I remember a moment in the car with my mum and I was like, right, is there anything left that we haven't said to each other that we need to say to each other? We were like, no, we know that we love each other. We know we've talked about everything. We're good. Like if this is the last time, we're good, which is again, like a a full-on thing to have to think about but yeah just never leave anyone in any doubt about how you feel about them in a positive way as opposed to <laughs> I hate you but, but yeah if you love someone let them know that you love them I think that is wonderful advice and Cal we loved watching you in the jungle you're so authentic your positivity you're just such a joy to watch Thank you for choosing Bowel Cancer Australia as your charity, but thank you more broadly for talking about bowel cancer and shining a light on it for us um, and sharing those personal stories of two very special people for you. And I'm so sorry to hear about Tolly, but I know he'd be very proud of what you're doing to raise awareness for bowel cancer. And it's great that people with some profile talk about the disease because it does help to educate and broaden awareness. So huge thanks and what a superstar you are. Oh thank you. Thanks for having me. Um can I tell you can I tell you my joke? Yes. My favorite joke, let's say is which is related to things to do with the bowel. What's brown and sticky? Poo. A stick. <laughs> Oh, cow. Boom, boom. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> on that note. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us on the Bottom Line Podcast. Pleasure. Thanks for having me, Steph. Thank you so much for listening to the Bottom Line Podcast. To find out more about bowel cancer or for support or simply to donate, please go to bowelcanceraustralia.org.